preach in Jesus' name today. You know what today is? Parents' Day. Parents' Day. All right. Today is Parents' Day. And I was reflecting on that and the role that my parents played in my life and I don't know, two, three years ago, Mary Sue and I were talking, um, you know, our parents are pushing 90. This is not always going to be this way. And little did we know that within approximately one year, the three that remained were, had gone to their reward. And uh, I always thought that Psalm 23, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, was a personal experience of the person there. But I came to the conclusion that uh, that can apply to others too. Kind of a sad time for our life. But, you know, reality kicks in and there's no mom or no dad to go to and say, so what do you think? I don't know, I was young, teenager, you know, it's like, well, it's the older people, you know, the old men, the, you know, the set up front with the hearing aids, you know, it's like, hey, they're the ones, you know, they, 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 yeah, we can depend on them, so they'll, they'll carry us through. And then you had the, the middle-aged men that were very active in church, and, you know, that, yeah, we, we depend on them, you know. And then you get older, and you, you it's like always somebody there older. To, you, you can depend on them, but after a while, reality kicks in, and you're the man on the front bench with the hearing aids and with uh, the parents that are gone. and the older bishop that has gone to his reward. And sometimes it feels a little lonely. <laughs> but God has given us parents and um, as I studied this I was I was I was deeply challenged. Because my one of the things, and I'll get into this a little bit later, is 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 Mother's Day. Well, that's your mom. That's one person. Or Father's Day. That's your dad. That's one person. Or Grandparents' Day. That's yeah, your grandparents. But Parents' Day is so broad and goes so far back that it just it 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 really impacted me as I as I studied for this sermon. If you want to, you can turn with me to Proverbs one. Verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. 
the basics is the Lord, beginning of knowledge. Everything starts with God. Everything's going to end with God. But what's it going to be like in between? Uh, from the day you're born to the day you die, they have a dash there on the tombstone. It's like, what happens in the dash? What happens in the dash from the day you're born to the day you die? Uh, they say it's good uh, exercise to walk through a cemetery of people that you have known. Uh, seems a little morbid, but I've done it a couple times. Not too often. But somehow or the other, that dashes and could probably be summed up in about one or two sentences. So in that dash, what what what's happening in our life? Uh, what what kind of person are you going to be? He's saying here that whether your life is going to be beautiful or whether it's going to be ordinary depends largely on how you relate to your parents. If you hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother, it's going to be like a victor's wreath on your head and it's going to be like chains around of gold around your neck like the king wears. That's what those words mean. So, in this verse it tells us that fearing God, if we truly fear God, is going to prepare us to receive counsel from our parents. The prerequisite for listening to dad and mom and to grandpa and grandma and great-grandpa and great-grandma and whatever is the fear of God. Uh, Brother Mark talked about the impact of pride in our lives. And it has to do with how we live and how we earn a living and how all, all these type of things. Um, and he said, I, I almost... In Sunday school, so hey, hold on, hold on. You're preaching a sermon. Preaching a sermon. <laughs> but that's all right. God wants you to hear it two times. See, I'm convinced of that. All right. So God wants you to hear it two times this morning. I don't change my sermon because I what I hear in Sunday school or the speaker in front of me. I, if God wants me to say it, then He needs you, this audience to hear it two times. So you're going to hear some things two times this morning. <clears throat> God prepares us to, for counsel. Uh, by fearing him. But who should the counsel come from, primarily? You know, God could, uh, just as easy, create adults for us. You know, we come here this morning and somebody new comes in and, and they said, well, I, I just landed. Right? I, I just landed. And, and God says, okay, here you are. You just landed. You go to Prairie Church. So, oh, okay, we, we got a, uh, a new person Prairie Church. It's like, 
we wouldn't know anything about babies or anything like that. I mean, it's like, I, I just landed. But no, God chose not to do that. I mean, he, he did it just as easy. And he could just say, oh, it's like, oh, well, I guess she disappeared. Right? But he chose to use the method of parents. He chose to give us babies. He chose, and, and it's incredible to think about it, that he chose to use parents to prepare his children for his work. It's kind of like the same dynamic that, got, that Jesus would have the nerve or the courage, if you want to say that, to say, here, 12, this is your job. I'm putting my job into you 12 people's hands and you're supposed to evangelize the world and change the world for Jesus Christ. The, the courage that that Jesus had to do that and, and the trust involved. But, but God does that to us too. But he gives us parents because he wants our parents to be the springboard to beauty in our life. To make us something we would never be any other way. He gave us parents so that we can hand we can win and we can be rich. That's why he gave his parents. And I don't know why God wrote on the Ten Commandments why he wrote honor thy father and thy mother rather than love thy father and thy mother. I don't know. But he says if you honor them, if you take serious their life, you take serious their teaching, you take serious what's being given to you from me through them, your days will be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That, that's what he's saying. So the question is like, why should I listen to my parents? Um, probably a, one of the forefront questions that teenagers ask themselves or children ask themselves. Why, why should I listen to my parents? Well, number one, they know you better than anybody else in the world. You know, you have friends. Um, they, they got you figured out before you got your own self figured out. They do. See, they understand your personality because they've been with you ever since you were a baby. Every one of our children have a different personality. And it comes 
obvious, you know, they're not around too very long till, you know, well, well this one's going to be a case because, you know, they, they were, boy, I mean, it's like they, they got, they want what they want and they want it now, whatever, and the other one's just so cuddly and whatever, and, and you know, so every one of them's different. Every one of them's different. And so not only do they know who you are, they've got you figured out. You know, and, and, and we struggle along, you know, and it's like, well, I don't know unless the mom and dad, but we haven't got ourselves figured out. So we struggle along, we struggle along, we struggle along, trying to figure ourselves out. You know, if you just ask a few questions, it might help. It might be eye-opener. They know how you handle crisis. They know how you make decisions. You make snap decisions, or you're, or do you think it all through? They know because they've been around. We just do it because, well, that's the way we do it. If we don't ask any advice, we can get in trouble. For for fiddling, 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 thinking, 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 never make a decision, or we just make a decision and rash decision and just go for it, you know, and and totally blind to what we're running into. But if we ask them, they say, you know, you're a snap decision maker, you know, you better watch it, or you know, don't try to analyze everything out to the max all the time. You know, you can just step ahead a little bit and, you know, you don't have to know everything that's going on. See, I wish my dad was, you know, my, I wish I'd ask a few questions because that's the way I am. I have to know everything. Was, you know, if this happens, then this would happen and this would happen. And, this happen. and if I happen, this happens, this happens, this happens. See, I try to live life in two dimensions. I try to live it today and I try to live it five years from now. I try to live it ten years from now. That's That's me. And because of that, I get stuck. But we go to our friends who have been with us less, understand us less, or we go to a counselor, and I'm not saying anything wrong going to the counselor sometimes, if you need one, I guess. But where's your counselor? Where's your, where's your best counselor? Don't go running off to another one if you haven't talked to mom and dad or dad and mom yet because they're going to be your best counselor. Because if you go to a counselor who don't know you, it's going to take them six months to figure out who you are, let alone what to do next. So we need to honor our parents. Furthermore, the people around you may have unhealthy reasons for giving you the advice that they give you. Very unhealthy reasons. So it says honor them, appreciate them. You know, we may not like our parents' advice. But someone did said this. Honoring and appreciating our parents is trying to understand why they are saying what they are saying. Not just what they are saying, but why they are saying what they are saying. 
we have, we think we have all the answers. When we're young, sometimes we get old, we want to have any answers. I was telling someone recently that uh, at one point in time, uh, after I was ordained, I thought I might make a good counselor at DLM. Now, you just laugh. That is hilarious. It is hilarious. I, I kid you not. It is the bomb. But I soon found out that I got more problems personally than I can handle. Why should I try to, get, to handle somebody else's problem? And I gave it up as a bad deal. And it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Mark's shaking his head. Yeah, I see. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you see, time does amazing things to you. Experience does amazing things to you. See, our parents have been where we are. Okay, young people, your parents have been where you are now. Because they've lived longer, they know where you're headed. Now, when I think of God, and I think of that God knows everything... One of the things that's challenging to me is that God has lived every day of my life from here forward. Now, he knows everything in the back, too, but it's hard for me to grasp that he knows everything from this point forward. He has already lived every day of my life. He's already been there. Now, young people... In a very limited form, your parents have lived what you are going to live. In a sense, they have lived your life ahead of you. The Bible says when it comes to temptations, there is no temptations but such as is common to man... But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So when it comes to temptation, everybody on the road meets the common temptations. Alright? So you're young, you're teenagers, nothing wrong with that. God made us so we go through there. But there's temptations your parents have already faced that you will face. Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. They've walked through it. You're headed for it. You don't know what it is, but they've experienced it. So in a sense, they have lived your life ahead of you. Now, if I had the ability to say to God, now I know everything... That I'm every day that I'm going to live yet, you have already lived. Could you tell me how this is going to be? And if God would say, oh, Yeah, okay, I, I know that this is what you're going to face, I know this is how it's going to be, so this is what you get prepared for. Wouldn't that be nice? 
But guess what? God gave us younger ones that privilege of going to somebody and says, I know that you have already lived through what I am headed for. What's your advice? Now, I know we're all human, and I know a lot of those dynamics that God is. All right? So, so this is not a perfect scenario down here like it would be between us and God. Take that all in consideration. See, they've traveled the same road that you're traveling, only they've traveled just a lot longer. And because of their longer traveling, if they have their eyes open, they're going to have a lot more wisdom accumulated in that travel. Some of that wisdom came from their parents. What their parents taught them. Some of what their parents got was from their parents. And what they got was from their parents. Okay, so great-great-grandpa tells great-great-grandpa tells great-grandpa, which tells grandpa, which tells dad, which tells... All right. Do we understand the dynamics and the privilege of having the resources available to us that could have 100, 200 years of dynamics behind it? Accumulated wisdom that were handed down from generation to generation to generation. Folks, this don't work. This works. Pay attention. You're headed into it. Watch out. You're going to be blessed. All those things. Uh, Mark kicked a big old fat book up here. He says, big fat book up here. It's a big fat book. All right, so I, I find this is the history of the Mennonites of Franklin County, Pennsylvania, and Washington County, Maryland. All right, it's called Building on the Gospel Foundation. And it's got a, a lot of stuff in here. I found it very interesting to read of my ancestors. Particularly my great grandpa. His name was Joseph E. Lehman. He lived from 1868 to 1946. When he was ordained, there was a double ordination. A couple of ministers died, and so they had a double ordination. Ah, breaking in here. The next morning, May 31, 1905, Keener, which was the bishop, set out the lots. They fell on Joseph E. Lehman, 1868 to 1946, and Daniel E. Coons, 1880 to 1957. This was in the Chambersburg Mennonite Church Meeting House. And it says, In later years, neither man was known for being a particular fluent speaker. 
Laman delivered his sermons in a low, deliberate manner with long pauses between his sentences. However, he was regarded as a deep thinker. So I read that, and I'm thinking, well, long pauses between the sentences, I got that from Joseph E. Lehman. I was in Ohio and preached a 40-minute sermon, and the, uh, the guy running the recording said he ran it through some kind of a program and cut eight minutes out of it, of pauses. <clears throat> That's almost one quarter. Uh, thank you for being so patient. Thank you for being so patient. I don't know where the deep thinker thing got lost, but <laughs> somehow I got lost. <clears throat> Something else I found uh, tremendously interesting. I was always taught as a lad to respect people of other colors. Never once do I remember derogatory terminology at our house about people of other color. Bishop by Abram Metzler in 1923 held a revival meeting at the Chambersburg Church in which two African Americans, James and Rosa Throckmorton, acknowledged Christ as their Savior. The Throckmortons were originally from West Virginia, where James Throckmorton had graduated from Storer College and taught school. Convinced by friends that Pennsylvania would offer him better professional opportunities and greater freedom, he moved his family to Franklin County in 1910. There he bought a farm just north of the Chambersburg Meeting House and combined farming with school teaching. Although the Throckmorton's parents kept their five children to themselves, they did form friendships with their Mennonite schoolmates at the Mount Zion School located next to the Chambersburg Meeting House. This led to the children attending Sunday school at Chambersburg, and in, their t and in turn, their parents occasionally went to church there. According to Deacon Daniel Lesher, after the Throckmorton's responded at Metzler's meeting, they could not see their way clear to join the church for fear of race prejudice, they being descendants of the colored race. This was a quote. Therefore, no counsel was taken in their behalf. That was a quote. Sadly, their fears about racial prejudice were justified. Racist attitudes had openly surfaced in a 1911 congregational meeting about the church cemetery, where it was decided that since, quote, the colored race have separate burying grounds of their own, this ground is not open to them, unquote. Preacher Joseph Lehman's younger daughter Rhoda, which was my great-aunt Rhoda, who shared a desk with Fanny Throckmorton at the Zion School, remembered that, quote, sorry to say, even some of our Christian people thought that black people were not really people, end quote. The Lehman family did not share this sentiment. During harvest time, they frequently had African-American men working for them, and unlike some places where the two races were segregated, at the layman home, everyone sat down to the same table for meals. 
Joseph Lehman kept in contact with the Throckmortons over the years. In January 1948, Bishop C.B. Martin, over the objection of some members, baptized the then elderly and housebound couple into the church. Four months later, Rosa Throckmorton died. Martin and the Chambersburg ministry officiated at their funeral. The 1911 ruling notwithstanding, she was buried in the Chambersburg Mennonite Cemetery. Her husband James followed four years later. Sometimes I wonder why I am like I am. But then I am so grateful. Somewhere, there was a person said, that is not right. Can you imagine? Alright, so we decide that the people in Iowa just don't cut it. Alright, so when we have potluck, Everybody from Iowa has to set upstairs and eat beans and rice, and everybody from Minnesota sets downstairs, and we have mock, ha ham, mock steak or whatever and potatoes and everything else. All right? And the people from Iowa, they can't drink out a fountain over here, all right? because just the Minnesota people eat, drink out a fountain. And, and, and the people from Iowa can't use the restroom. They have to use the porta pot outside, you, you get it? Or even more arbitrary than that, all the people with black hair get to get all the good food and all the people with brown hair have to sit up top and eat beans and rice. I was sitting here this morning and I was blessed. In that room, for you, for me, for all mankind, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. What a blessing. We think about families and we think about parents. But but do we do we appreciate the entire passing on of faith to us from our spiritual fathers? Despite who our parents were. The spiritual bond. That takes place. In there. More precious. And whose great uncle was whose great uncle? You know, it seems like, and I'm not sure how to to look at this, or, or how, to, how to how to figure this all out. But but I found it interesting. It seems like that spiritual bond in the Old Testament was was a strong 
emphasis. In our Sunday school lesson, your fathers did this, your fathers did that. They didn't say you're dead. It said your fathers. When the children of Israel went through the Red Sea, and they got through, and they started singing on the other side. This is what they sang, in part. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare Him an habitation. My Father's God. And I will exalt Him. Today, wedding, everything goes through with it. You know what the preacher says? God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob be with you and bless this union abundantly, etc., etc. I hope that you're impressed as much as I am how greatly enhanced we are by the godly wisdom God planned for us to have and to receive from our parents. And how we respect our parents will probably be how we will be respected by our children. I don't take nothing off my mom, dad and mom. I probably, are, my children won't take nothing off of us either. Story is told of the family that was taking care of the old grandpa. And he was old and he was shaky. And he was spilling his soup on the table. Every meal he'd spill his soup on the table because he was so shaky. And one day he dropped the bowl, and the bowl went to pieces on the floor. And the dad said, from now on, you're eating in the bedroom. Here's a wooden bowl that you can't break. Next day, dad went to work, came home. And his son was, had a knife, and he was carving on a chunk of wood. He said, son, what are you doing? He said, I'm carving out a bowl for, to use, for you to use in your bedroom when you get old and shaky. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for the wealth of wisdom that you give us in your word. Thank you for the wealth of wisdom that comes through our parents by your perfect design. Forgive us, Lord, where we have failed to appreciate it. Thank you, Lord, for those ahead of us who recognize your word, 
your truth, applied it, applied it in practical ways to help your people to grow spiritually. I pray, Lord, you would help us to appreciate anew our parents. In Jesus' name, amen.